Welcome to another edition of Dentalpreneur Secrets, and I am so excited for you today. We have a fantastic guest for you. We've got Steven Sisler from Behavioral Research Group, and, and by the time we finish today, you're going to know how to really find meaning in your current environment, and this is so important. You're going you're to have some newfound knowledge into why you do the things you do, and more importantly, you're going to feel empowered to make better choices. Once again, this is Dentalpreneur Secrets. We help you build an amazing life experience so you can take care of the people you love support the causes you care about, really change the world for the better. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Wow. Hey, I am just so excited to, to talk with you today. I know I, I've certainly worked with you. We, we've done some of the behavioral analysis, but share a little bit about your background and, and how you got started doing what you do. Uh, well, I uh, was, according to my parents, I was reading people since I was a child, um, 12 years old. I knew when people were lying and things of that crazy nature. Uh, my mother was the same way. My grandfather was the same way, um, almost in an eerie sense. Um, I've later learned it's just real good intuition. And so uh, over 15 years ago, um, I went through an analysis myself and was so enthralled with the outcome um, that I asked if this person would train me. And we did an apprenticeship program and I just paid him to teach me how to read behavior and more scientifically than intuitively. Um, and within, I'd say within eight months, I was full time in making as much money as it took me 18 years to get to before that. Wow. Since then, I've been in 18 countries. I've written several books and I am now a thought leader in the behavior space with really no formal education at all. Um, just intuition and I don't know what it is, but it works really well. <laughs> wow. Well, right. You're talking about reading people. What does that mean? I know, I know some of you listen to this. You may be thinking, you know, reading people, well, I can kind of get a sense of someone, but, but what you're doing goes way beyond that. So talk a little bit about what reading people actually is and, and how that can help your organization. Well, um, it's hard to describe uh, from my perspective. And I have the tools now, which gives me a lot of deep scientific insight into them based upon the answers they give me when I ask them specific questions, which will show me how their brain kind of works. But beyond that, um, it's really body language tells um, how they're acting. Um, and, you know, whether, when they shake your hand, what that handshake feels like, how they look you in the eye, or you, are they looking you in the eye at all? Um, how they dress, how their hair is combed, um, just different things would give me these specifics to the point of where I flew out to Florida one time with 70 HR people and just did a, a talk on emotional intelligence and how do you discover it in people that you meet. And uh, I just had people stand up and I asked them a few questions, shook their hand and then told them about their life. And by the time I got done with that, um, people wouldn't even shake my hand. Um, uh, I was telling them what they were driving for a car. Um, it was crazy. <laughs> uh, so it, it's all good guessing. Okay. Really good guessing. Um, so there's that part of it that it's unexplainable. And then there's the tools. Um, and the combination is pretty much, I bat a thousand with it. Okay. Now, what are some of these tools that, that, that you're talking about and, and how do they, they play in? Why are they so helpful for us? Well, um, uh, I do self-assessing, which means these are your answers 
Um, and so I basically do three different tools. They're all very well known, but they're my versions. So I got the algorithms and then created my own um, and vetted them using the, al the, the algorithms that are in the public domain. Um, the first one is behavioral and it's based on John G. Geyer's work, the late John G. Geyer and Dorothy um, Downey, um, their work uh, on Aristo psychology. And basically it's how the DISC method was born. He's the father of that. So I went back to his original research and um, developed a tool based on that. I also did a motivational assessment based on Gordon Alport's work on human motivation and value. And I created, created my own report out of that. And then I followed Dr. Hartman's work, um, the Hartman values profile known as the HVP, very, very popular, very, very powerful. And I created my own version of that. And then what I did was is I developed them deeper to become more um, effective. And the output that people get as far as the statement setting, I've written thousands of statements. And rather than getting a bullet point, I write paragraphs. So I take my intuition into the type of style and what this means. And then I write, I could just write all day for the rest of my life. Just give me a type of a person and I'll just tell you what they do. And I wrote all that into that report. So it's a very custom report that people tell me it's like getting their fortune read. It's actually scary. I've been called up by clients wanting me to be their behavior of a business psychic. I mean, it just, this is what people do when they see the information, but really all it is, is it's typically, this is how this person will act when they're wired this way. Okay. And so it really is looking at, I think you mentioned three things, behavior, motivation and values is really kind of the core that's right. of the assessment that you're doing. Yes, Maybe sir. We, can, we can take a, a quick little dive into each one of those and, uh, and, and how they, what they actually mean and, and why they're so important for business leaders, for you to, to understand about your team, your, your suppliers, your, your vendors, your customers, right? Why do these things matter so much? Okay. That's a great question. Um, so the behavioral piece um, is based on the four primary emotions. And this is where the DISC process was born out of. Anger, optimism, patience, and fear. Those are the emotions that are primarily responsible for how you're going to do something. Um, and so uh, if, if you are extremely patient um, and you are not an angry person at all, you're amiable, then what happens is you live with an invisible cricket on your shoulder, whispering in your ear all day, sec causing you to second guess everything you're going to do. Hmm. So imagine being on a high dive, rocking back and forth, but you keep hearing a voice in your head. What happens if you land wrong? Um, so you can't jump. Um, so I can get a pattern and I'll say, oh, here's the person that wants to do something, but can't get themselves to do it unless they think about it three or four times. So those are the people that have a very long fuse. So, and then there's so much more tied to that. The longer the fuse, the bigger the explosion. So once they make a decision, they never go back on it. So those are the people that once they decide to leave their mate, there's no changing it. Wild horses couldn't change it. Um, uh, but when I see the pattern differentiations, I can see that they're planning on leaving their mate. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's so much I could see. I had a situation one time where a person called in and uh, they said, would you do me a favor and look at my profile? And I said, sure, and I did it. I pulled it up. I looked at it. I said, don't say anything. I looked at it for about a minute. And I said, let me guess, you were looking at pornography at work and they fired you. And his answer was Tuesday. 
absolutely amazing. So wow. it's crazy how, how the, and I do that over and over and over and over again. I had one person said, it looked like you're, you look to me like you're drowning. And she was addicted to certain uh, drugs because someone tried to drown her when she was a teenager. And I looked at her profile and said, you look to me like a drowning person. And so all your behavior is geared to surviving. Um, and these are the conversations I have had for 16 years um, over and over and over again. So that's the behavioral piece. It's based on how your emotions are set. The motivational piece is based upon what's meaningful to you, what you desire in the world. Um, and I integrate what you desire with what you're likely going to do. And they're not always the same. So I measure seven different points of interest, power, sacrifice, um, curiosity. Uh, so how curious, if you're not curious enough, but you're an individualistic thinker, then you're relying on your intuition for all of your decisions. Um, if you're a feeler in your behavior, then you make decisions based upon how you feel, not on the facts. Um, so you got all these different patterns and I work them all together. So when I'm doing a debriefing, I'm saying not only this, but because of that in this profile, it makes this do this. And it builds a mosaic of why they do the things they do and why they're in the position they're in. So if you have um, high power in what you desire, I desire to be in charge, but you're low dominant, you wanna be in charge, but you can't take charge. So the behavior always tends to trump the motivation. So what I want is not always what I'll do. And then when it comes to the Hartman, the third profile, it's finding meaning and value in the world. And I measure six things there, but I'll just pick out you know, maybe one. So let's say one of them is empathy. Um, so I could tell, I just did a person this morning and I said, look, here's what's going on. You're extremely naive because you overvalue what's good in people and you're extremely lenient because you undervalue the potential bad in people. So you end up hooking up with all the wrong men. Bullseye. <laughs> Uh, so if this is a person that's hiring somebody in the company, they're going to hire the wrong people because they're over and undervaluing parts of those people. Once those people start figuring it out, they play different cards. Um, and then the people fall for it because they're too naive. Very interesting. So, so, so it just, it's just, it's, it's a huge mosaic and there's so many pieces and parts that I just know them in seconds just by looking at these numbers, it just, it's just the way it is. So people hire me for my interpretations. They really don't hire for the report itself. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's you bringing your decades of knowledge of doing this because yes. you look at these reports, you can look at the analysis and it'll take you, you know, a minute and a half to figure it out. Whereas, you know, we'll be spreading pages out all over our desks trying to figure out what does this stuff mean? Absolutely. Uh, now, people have been with me a very, very long time, some of them, and they're starting to see patterns now over the years. But of course, that's not what they do for a living. They, they, they work at their job. Um, but because these keep coming across the desk for the higher, you know, the HR, or whoever I work with, uh, I had one lady work with her eight years uh, with a company, um, very well-known company. I've been around 100 and some odd years. Um, and she ended up becoming a consultant simply because she saw it so much and talked to me so much. It just by osmosis, she figured it out and she could make more money doing that than she could at where she was there in a very high profile position. Yeah. Right. So, so, so as leaders and CEOs, right. People with, with teams of, of people that, that you may be, be leading and guiding 
is right. How do we use this information to, to make better choices? Right. You, you've talked about how it shows us, you know, how we are, right. How our emotions are set, what we desire, how we find meaning and value. But then how do you as a leader respond or interact with people differently? How do you use this data to make better choices? Well, I mean, some people, um, they're good uh, at a craft, but they're not good at the business. Um, They're good at specific things because it comes natural to them, but maybe dealing with people doesn't come natural to them. So if if you have a limited amount of clarity or what I call just bad sonar, when you're working with people, you misunderstand nearly everything they do. Um, and that causes problems. I just profiled someone the other day, been through four relationships and it just keeps getting worse. And when I looked at the profile, it was obvious as to what's wrong. Um, and so once you know the lowest slat in your wine barrel, now you know where all the wine is going. <laughs> you know where it's leaking out and that's what we can work on. So. Um, depending upon what your strengths are, so many people um, uh, are not using their strengths. They're using either their weaknesses or their title authority. So some people have title authority. Let's say I'm vice president. But when it comes to functional authority, being a really good vice president, I'm really not there. But However, I got the role, I've got it, and now it's a problem. Um, So what I help people do is figure out, do you have just the title power or do you have actual power, which is when you're able to realize your potential. So every human being that goes through a profile has potential, but not everybody is living that potential. Um, You have to realize the potential only when the way you are, the way you think, and the way you do things lines up with what you're doing, who you're doing it with, who you're doing it for in your environment. And when those two things come together, you don't even need an education. It works. And mm-hmm. there's so much misalignment. And what we do is we just help people say we're bringing in a person who's going to be doing these specific duties and they're going to be submitted to this specific person. Um, and they're going to have these three people under them. And I have everybody's behavioral profile. I will tell you who can handle this person who will quit and almost to the month of when it will stop working. And so when you get that kind of detail, um, they just never leave. Wow. Well, and I think you just said something really important. And I hope you as the listener caught this, right? You're differentiating, Steve, between your, your title authority versus the functional authority. Mm-hmm. And so many of us as business leaders, right? We, we've had some success in business. We've climbed the ladder and we, you know, like you said, we found ourselves in whatever position we found ourselves in. And we may have that title authority, but we really don't have that, that functional authority because we don't know how to properly motivate our team. We don't know what they actually value. And so, right, we may see that in, in, in you know, even compensation decisions where mm-hmm. we try to, you know, build a compensation structure that that person doesn't care anything about. Correct. Yeah. You know, I think of the movie right now just came to mind, Goodwill Hunting um, with Matt Damon. He's the smartest kid in the school, but he's the janitor. Like this is what happens in companies. Um, You have an individual who knows everything that needs to be known and what they might not even believe to know, but yet they don't have the authority to stand upon and utilize that knowledge simply because there's somebody else in that role. 
Um, and then they just submit and never reach their potential. Yeah. Um, and so I get a lot of pushback sometimes on the word potential. Like, what does that even mean? It just means your capacity to do things um, is what it is. Um, everybody's dealt five cards. This is the way I look at it. Everybody's dealt five cards. Like, what kind of, what kind of hand did I get? I've got a two, a three, a six, a 10, and a king. That's it. Right. Elon Musk, he's got two aces. <laughs> right. I didn't get any aces. So what does that mean? How am I going to play my hand? Am I good at bluffing? Am I good at taking risks? Um, do I know when to fold them? Do I know when to hold them? Like you got what you got, but you can win with a bad hand if you know how to play. And so what I help people do is understand the cards they have and then teach them to play them well. Oh, I, I, that, that, what a beautiful analogy, right? Because we're all born with, with certain traits, right? We've learned to interpret the world certain ways. We behave certain ways. Mm -hmm. And if we can understand what makes us us and we become experts in how we operate and other people, right? That enables us to really move forward. It, it, and I love what you, what you say on your, your website. You've got a quote on there. It says, better people equal better results. And, and I know that's certainly true in some of the case studies you and I have talked about. In fact, we were talking a little bit before about a, a sales company. They had a big pipeline. They were quoting, you know, about $900,000 a month in sales, right? Potential sales coming in the door there, right? Nice pipeline. And, and you were able to work with them and improve that just a little bit, weren't you? Yeah. So I worked with them about 11 months. They were a family run business. Uh, they were in the Boston area. And um, uh, I made some real important changes up front because there were certain people there that were actually hurting the organization and they had some things in place that people were supposed to be doing that wasn't getting done. And because the company leader is a visionary, they tend to be looking out at the sunrise and don't realize how many deer are eating the corn. <laughs> right. So we, we, we put a lot of things in place. I brought in another consultant and within 11 months, they were, they went from quoting 900,000 to 11 million in a month. That's absolutely amazing. And, and, and right. So, so this sounds like it was a story of really, you know, understanding the behaviors, the motivations, the values of the, the team members and again, people in the right place so that they could, they could do what they were, they were good at. Yeah. You know, it's funny. They had a, a recruiting company that they used to hire people and it was expensive to keep using these recruiters because it's up to 30% of the year salary just for one hire. And the person I brought in ended up becoming pretty much the COO of the company. Um, and uh, funny, I hired him for another company in Boston. And when his duration was over, he called me uh, because of the interview I had with him based on his profile. Um, so um, I helped him get into this company and that turned into a $250,000 salary right away. Um, yeah. And so, because I knew he could do what they needed to do because I had his profile. Yep. So when that happened, um, this uh, uh, visionary leader um, decided we're going to hire this salesperson, this girl, she was in Georgia. So they were going to move her and get her up there. Well, she was one out of 80 people that the recruiting company looked through and they thought, you know, we found her. Steve, you're going to love this girl. We think she's perfect. I said, let's run her through my system. So I did. And I said, she's not the person. 
And they're like, how's, how's that? We went through 80 people to find this girl. Um, I had the girl call me as part of the interview. Now, the person she was going to be working for was extremely difficult. Hmm. Extremely difficult, about 4% of people. So a Donald Trump type person. Um, uh, and not as nice if you can put that statement together in your head. Wow. Um, and so she was a feeling influencer. So I said to her, so this is going to be an interesting job for you. What are your thoughts? You're going to try it out? Give it a shot? She goes, yeah, I'm going to give it a shot. I knew right then she wasn't going to last two weeks. I'm going to give it a shot? No, that's not going to work. You can't try to do this particular job. You got to be better than he is. Mm. And, um, or you won't last. And so I went through it with the COO. He ended up calling her. They had a longer conversation and said, you just saved us an entire move. Um, upfront money, like everything was just saved on this call. And this was them thinking they finally found somebody through 80 people and it was still the wrong person. Yeah. Wow. Right. So, so certainly, right. And what a powerful example, right? Like you said, the saving the, the cost of having to bring someone on and onboard them and train them just to find out they weren't going to work. Yeah. And you're able to, to do that by understanding yeah. those behaviors, motivations, yeah. and values. And she's going to be stuck in Massachusetts. <laughs> right. And probably miserable because yeah. there's a better role for this person. With no job. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Absolutely yeah. incredible. So, right, as you're talking, I can certainly come up with a couple scenarios where, where this makes all the sense in the world, right? Onboarding new team members, absolutely do that assessment. But, you know, what about for a company that's already got a team up and running? Does this make sense to, to go back and run your existing team through something like this? Uh, absolutely. Companies do it all the time with me, and they'll even fly me out there. We'll have a day of it, and we put everybody up on a big screen, and we talk about it, and it's a lot of fun. And we understand the differences. Typically, if you have a functional team that's working really well, then it's fun. If you have a team that's not functioning really well, it's obvious to everybody in the room why. That's the scary part. Yeah. <laughs> and so I warn people before they do it that, you know, this is what's going to happen. Do you want to do this? Do you still want to do it? Now, some will say no. Um, and some will say yes. Okay. Um, and so it's intimate. Um, I'm basically taking x-rays of everybody and putting up on the x-ray machine, up on the light for everyone to see, like a doctor. Here's your femur. Notice that you have a hairline fracture. Yeah. Right here. Like, I would imagine that's got to be a little intimidating sometimes for some of these people going through this. How, it, do, you, it, it how is. do you help coach a, a team through that? Well, the people that hire me are super people-centric in their companies. Uh, people that are just created a machine and people are cogs in a wheel, they don't hire me. Um, the only, and, and my, I don't advertise, it's all word of mouth. So business leaders know other business leaders that are people centric. And they're like, you got to use this guy. That's how I get my work. Um, and so, and again, it's not done in a way that is humiliating. It's always the, the preservation of everybody's dignity is paramount. And I just point out little things and I've had people break down crying. Um, I've had people laughing. I've had, it's just been really, really fun. I've never had a bad experience. Yeah. And one time I was doing a company in Boulder and there was eight leaders around this conference table and they, I had their numbers in front of them on the table. 
And uh, I came upon this one gentleman and I said, you look like, according to your numbers, do you play the banjo? And he did. (laughs) Okay. I was as surprised as you are right now. I said, do you play the banjo? And he says, oh my God, everybody in the room goes, this is scary. I don't want to do this. Yeah, right. And it's true, right? If you're listening to this, you may be thinking, what's Tim and Steve really talking about? Is this really possible? And I've got to tell you, it's, it is such a weird, spooky experience to, to work with Steve, right? Just a couple of days ago, we were going through my profile and he's like, Tim, you're this and you're this and you're this and you're, I, and it's like, you're peering into my soul I, yeah. and you understand, right? You do, you understand those motivations, what's important to me and, and right, and what gets me up, what gets me moving. And what a valuable tool for you as a leader to have to understand your people on that kind of depth. Because once again, I'm going to go back to that better people produce better results. And that's really what this is about, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, it is. I mean, people go into business for one re- two reasons, freedom and autonomy and financial security. Um, and uh, But not everybody can keep those because some people go into business for freedom and autonomy, but they end up building a prison mm-hmm. and now they're locked in and they can't get out. They can't get vacation. They can't do anything. Um, and it's not what they wanted. Um, and I know the people that will do that. Um, and I know if you're doing it and I know what you can do to stop doing it. Um, and oftentimes that isn't something some people are willing to do. But I could tell them, well, it's never going to change. Do you want to keep the business or sell it? You know, and now it's really jarring for some people. Um, I had an individual, he was actually a minister and somebody turned him on to me and he called and uh, I ran his profile and he had been a minister for seven years and it was a struggle. I mean, I think he had maybe 35 people in the congregation. So I asked him, I said, how many people you got in your audience? He didn't want to tell me because I already knew it wasn't going to be substantial. And then I got it out of him. He said, 35. I said, see, you're not a minister. You're a counselor. Hmm. And he said, oh, I never thought of it that way. He said, what should I do? I said, you need to get out of this business and get into counseling. Well, guess what he did? When we got done, he closed his church in less than a month. He had a piece of land in Maine he sold. He took that money. He went back to college and he became a counselor. That was about 14 years ago. And he's on my Facebook and he says, dude, that changed my life. Wow. He gets up every morning loving it. And his wife was dancing in the streets because she would have to deal with his depression because things aren't going the way he thought they would go. He's always down. Why can't I make this work? Couldn't figure out what was wrong. The problem was you're not a visionary. You're a counselor. You're a listener. You're not a speaker. You're a listener. You listen, give some advice, help them out. And he has been fruitful ever since. Wow. What a powerful story, right? And once again, touching on that, that changing the lives part, right? That's what's so powerful about what you do and what you're able to help people with is really get them on the right path. Because, you know, so many of us sometimes just get on a path and we stick on it and we think, Mm -hmm. oh, it'll get better. It'll get better. And it never does because we have no understanding of, of who we are, our motivations, our behaviors, and and our values. You know, most people didn't plan on being where they are. They're just trying to figure out what to do with where they are. Mm -hmm. Um, And some people deal well with where they are, and some people don't. 
because they don't know how they got there. So it's sort of like when you have a really good salesperson, most companies will try to make them a sales manager and then it falls apart and they never know why. And the reason being is because good salespeople are really good at pulling a rabbit out of the hat, but they never know where the rabbit came from. But when you're sales managing, you have to show your people how to get a rabbit, hide it in the hat and then pull it out and they can't do it. And so they end up just being motivators, hmm. but they don't know how to organize or plan, which is what some people need. Um, and it becomes a big problem. So I just said, just get a planner. Don't get a magician, get a planner for that role. Yep. And well, fix just like that. Yeah. Well, right. And, and this is so powerful for you as the dentist listening to this too, right? Getting your team, getting the right person to, to present those treatment plans, the right person at the the front desk to welcome new patients in, right? The right treatment coordinator. Getting those right people is so important, right? That right office manager, and it can help your organization function even better. Yeah, you know, dentists are a lot like lawyers. They're really good at their craft, but in order to be successful at it and handle the patient load, they have to hire people and create a business around the craft. So they're not business people, they're teeth people, they're orthodontists, they're, they're dentists, they, they fix teeth really well, they know how to do it. And so what often happens is everything else, they try to figure it out as they go. Um, and more often, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of stories I've heard where situations like where people in the office are actually stealing money. <laughs> um, you know, um, there's, there's problems that they don't know how to deal with because their behavioral style causes them to be a conflict avoidant. Um, so rather than bringing something up before it happens, they wait till it's critical. And then there's more problems and more fallout because they waited too long, things like this. But to have somebody that is helping them, you know, bring sheep into the pen and make sure they're coming in as healthy sheep uh, is really, really helpful so they can tend to their work. Um, and then if you get a really good office manager in there, that will change their life because now they can tend to their business of fixing teeth and they have another person making sure everything else is working. Yep. Um, and that's really helpful. Sometimes it's one hire that changes the whole thing. Yeah, no, so, so true. So Steve, how can we start down the, this path, right? If you've listened to this, if you, if you want to start exploring this, how do we start doing this? Well, I mean, obviously they would, you know, get in touch with me through my online presence, um, which is behavioral resource group, not research, it's resource. People confuse that behavioral resource group. Um, and that's a dot com. And they can look around and, and see some things in there. There's testimonials and so forth. Um, but um, that's just the best way to begin. And what I love to do is anybody who's interested I give them a full on, full analysis and a full debrief free of charge. Say, this is what I will know about anybody you put through this. And I've never not had somebody who is interested not do it. Now, if you're listening to this, the greatest value you can get today right now would be to go take advantage of that. I, I kid you not, I've done it right. You know, and Steve, that's how you and I got introduced. There's business leaders knowing other business leaders and saying, hey, you got to work with Steve, right? You, you got to have him look at your team. Because that, that to me has been one of my biggest struggles is bringing people together 
and understanding them. And, that, and that's why I've engaged you. And you know, I've seen the massive value. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to keep you a secret, right? I want my clients, my potential clients to, to know about you because of that value you bring to the organization. So if you're listening to this, I'll, I'll put the links below so you can go ahead and head over to Behavioral uh, Resource Group and you can do that assessment. It's well, well worth your time. So Steve, any kind of closing thoughts for us as we get ready to sign off here? Well, yeah, um, you know, I just want people to know that this process is not about changing you. It's about you understanding you and becoming the best version of you possible. See, a lot of people think, I, do I got to change this behavior? I, no, no. If you're a hammer, we want you in a toolbox. If you're a tomato, we want you in a salad. But nobody wants to go to work and find a hammer in their salad or a tomato in their toolbox. That's a problem. Well said. Well, hey, Steve, thank you for sharing so generously your knowledge with us today. And and I know I'm certainly walking away with, you know, a sense of how to find better meaning in my current environment by by understanding the the team, what they do, how they do it. And I've got a newfound knowledge into kind of why I'm doing the the things I do. And and I do. I feel absolutely empowered to, to make better choices. So once again, thank you for sharing so generously with your knowledge. I'm Tim McNeely. Thank you for tuning in to Dentalpreneur Secrets, where we help you build that amazing life of significance. And how can you help add more significance other than understanding the people you have the privilege of working with every day? Now get out there and make it a great day. Thanks, Tim.